It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Good afternoon. Welcome back to the Journeyman Stories with me, John. I'm Sam. <laughs> As you can hear, there is one missing today. So, um, no Owen today. So, it's just me and Sam. Um, obviously, thank you, Johnny, for coming back for part two. Obviously, we spoke um, quite integral about your career, about your amateur days. Um, we briefly briefly touched on your professional days um and it, like all of that stuff it, things i think we got up to um a title fight with if i can remember rightly um morgan mapandi it was a commonwealth title fight that's where we got up to last time yeah, he, went 12 rounds. yeah it was a close fight and um but it was good um obviously again it was at lewisham theater um, it was, yeah, it was so I think we could just, we'll progress from there. That's 1993, so we're, yeah. it's a few years back. So yeah. I appreciate, obviously, like you say, like if memory, we're going to, we'll try and get some memories back then and stuff like that yeah, cool. and stuff like that um, and talk about the rest of your pro career, obviously after your pro career, um, different bits and bobs in around personal life and professional life and just see we'll take it from there. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. So we we stopped at Morgan Mapendi. Uh and then if you can remember, obviously now I'm I'm really putting you right back onto the spot. Um with um your next fight which was um Bolium Baycleef at Lewisham Centre. This is just after your um Commonwealth top fight. You're with Mickey Duff as well now, aren't you? That's right, yeah. So um, how, how was that fight again at Lewisham Centre, if you remember it? I can, yeah, because he was a very tough fighter. He was game as well. He used to come forward quite a bit, and I went forward, so we, we sort of clashed with a, with a, a fight, and we, we was in the middle of the ring all the time just throwing shots. Yeah, you know, he was a, a tough proper toe-to-toe Yeah, he was. Would oh, you said the styles make fights in that that sort of either yeah. helped or hindered? Yeah, it did. And uh, that's sometimes 
I needed that to sort of like bring the best out of me. Sometimes when you're fighting a boxer and it's like jab, jab, moving, I'm trying to stalk him down and wear him out. But with this kid, Belkiff, he was like coming forward anyway, so I didn't have to go hunting for him. He, he was there to fight. It's come out. It was just sort of, would you said it was like a, a tick over fight? Um, because it, obviously after your Commonwealth, um, it, it's, his record suggests journeyman. I'm not saying he is. I don't know, like, because obviously yeah. how the game is back then to how the game is now is slightly different, isn't yeah, it? Definitely. So would you have said that it was more of a tick over fight at the time? Well, that's what I thought it was going to be. But in the end, it ended up being a tough fight. He was, uh, I think, a bit tougher than what they they thought as mm. well. Because, you know, later on, he, he fought um, Bradley Stone and he fought uh, another top few top fighters. And, he, you know, and he, he, he was a good fighter. He was very strong. Yeah. So the um, obviously the journeyman I imagine back then are different to the journeyman now, where the, yeah, they also well. turn up to win as much as yeah. So true. yeah, uh, and then you went to went back to uh, your next fight would have been Carl Morlin. Carl Morlin, yeah. Yeah. I can, yeah, I can remember him because when I was uh, training in Tottenham uh, in North London, I can remember he, he coming to a gym a couple of times, and I was thinking he looks roughly my weight, and he. He was sort of uh, watching me sort of uh, train, and I didn't know I was actually going to be fighting him. Uh, so sort of a few weeks later on, and then um, then obviously when we went to the way, and I thought, yeah, I recognised him because he he came into that gym a few times. Yeah, but he was, you know, he, he was a tough fight, he, and he was very really, like arrogant, like yeah. I want to smash you and do this. And nice to knock him out. Yeah, oh, it was lovely. Yeah, yeah, another one of an impressive knockout. Um, but it's like I said before in your last one so at your weight I imagine you, as we see now like if you look at someone like Sonny Edwards I think would have been yeah. around your weight yeah so like great boxer not a massive knockout artist yeah and um, you're knocking these lads out yeah. back then so it's I think obviously it, it shows testament to you do you know oh, what I mean it felt nice because it's a nice early night and you, you know you can go out and sort of eat your food and it enjoy yourself yeah get on instead it. of having big bruises and lumps which I used to come out and bring every time and like I was always getting stitched up like sometimes 20, 40, 50 stitches sometimes around my eyes and head and then uh, big lumps on my head and but this fight yeah it was a nice one he, he come out and I went and shake his hand and he'd done a bit of like a sit to me and I thought oh right he's going this fella and then next minute he started being a bit of flash and I've caught him with a I think it was a, a body shot, I think it was. Dropped him 100%, but I think it was a body shot. And he, he didn't recover. He just he stayed on the floor. Just gone. Yeah. Just gone. Oh, that's, uh, and then we we go to now where you're title chasing, let's say. So well, you're defending this time. So you defend your uh, Commonwealth title against Rufus Adebayo. Yeah, he was. I think he was an African, yeah. That's right. York Hall. Uh, York Hall. Yeah, you're cool. Your next like fight now. Your next three, yeah. So your next three, and he was another, he was a TKO as well. Yeah, that's right. I think around the seventh, was it? Or? Um, it, it's not giving me, not giving me the round. I think it's probably around seventh round, fifth or seventh. But he was going first couple of rounds, and, you know, he, he was throwing some good shots, and then I've caught him with a shot. I, I could see I wobbled him in one of the rounds, I think it was the fourth. I thought, yeah, I've caught him there, so I want to keep on him, keep on him. So I get stalking him everywhere he went. I was on him, I was on him. Next minute, 
I put my right hand, left hook, and he wobbled again. I, I just wouldn't let him go, and I just kept on him. Then the ref just jumped straight in. He was, he was gone on his feet. That's So he... Um, it's strange one, this, because he has a losing record at the time, but they don't just give Commonwealth titles out to anyone, do no, they? You have to be rated in, in the top 10 at least, or top in, in the... Uh, yeah, in... In the Commonwealth. So he must yeah. have beat some good lads, even in the like the wins column on this, because the next two are like real good win records. He got yeah. um, Sean Anderson's eleven and one, and then um, CQ two, who's fourteen and zero at the time. So yeah. they, and they, so I find obviously that defence was. It's a strange thing to see someone having a losing record when you're fighting to yeah. then coming up because normally with Commonwealth, as we find with Louis Green at the moment, yeah, he's sure. like he's got a winning record. Do you know what I mean? It would yeah. be weird for like people to have lo- losing records. Yeah, and, and like you say, when when that comes up, when they say they've lost this, lost that, you, you are doubting them a little bit because you're thinking, you know, this this ain't really going to be a tough one, you know. But you always think when you go in there, you always think yourself. Well, every fight's got to be like you're fighting for a title because if, if you lose, I was unbeaten and I, there's no way I wanted to lose. So you're just like hungry to win. Yeah, obviously. And uh, again, you're you're defending the Commonwealth title. Um, did just on that bit. So you're. I know we'll come to the other defenses. What um what was your sort of process? Were you going to defend it to? I don't know how it works then. You know when you get the British belt, so you defend the British three times, you keep the Lonsdale belt, don't you? So would you have defended the Commonwealth to keep the uh, Commonwealth belt or was it just... uh, It was just when when you won the Commonwealth, it it was your sort of thing. Yeah, okay. I know what you're saying because like the British, you have to win it three times to get the Lonsdale. Mm. And uh, yeah, but with the Commonwealth, it was different because I think I defended my Commonwealth about five or six times and a lot of them was Africans and obviously Sean Anderson I think he was but he was next after this yeah, yeah. so where would uh, yeah he said this that would have been your fourth Commonwealth defence yeah. after Rufus Adebayo um, again how how did that one go what with uh, uh, Sean Anderson oh he's a very tough fighter Sean he, he, he's game and uh he, he was on his back foot all, all the time, but, he, you know, he, he gave it all. He, he was still a tough, tough fight. And uh, actually, I, I wore him down in the end, and then I, I think I stopped him in the 11th. Yeah, I think. got him as TKO down there. Yeah, it's again, yeah. again, it's uh, someone, obviously, really good winning record, 11-1-1 uh, yeah. one one draw. Um, but, yeah, again, really good records and defending the Commonwealth, which... Um, it's it's unusual for people to. I don't know if it, you can tell me. Like, so do you think boxing has changed with how they defend belts and stuff? Uh, it feels it has a little bit with the belts. Um, I don't know exactly how it works, but I know that when when you was rated uh, in the top ten, you know you had, you had the chance of fighting for the title. Right. Yeah, but you had to be in the, in the least. I think it was either six or ten. The top top six or top ten, I think it was, and that's of the Commonwealth one. Then I'm, I'm sure it was. I won't understand. Do you know what roughly your world rating would have been at this time? Uh, at this time, I was wasn't sure. I think when I won the European, that's when 
that you shot up. Shot up, yeah. So we've after the Sean Anderson, then you had um, Sokyu too. He had a fourteen and oh, he was unbeaten. Two unbeaten guys jumped yeah. in the ring. Yeah, he was a good African fighter. Another one that sort of come to fight, and uh, he was another one. I think I stopped him. Or... Yeah, so he gets. He said um, he says he's got you down in the fourth. But and then you've TKO'd him later on. That's right, yeah. I me yeah, I remember the fight now. Is I've gone out there and I've walked straight onto a right hand, and it was one of like another sort of like a touchdown sort of thing. I've hit the floor, and but as soon as I hit the floor, I used to sort of get angry with myself to jump back up and just want to go straight. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. So I got back up and went straight on him again to let him know that I wasn't hurt. But, Would you have said that your style? created them opportunities because obviously we were talking about you stopping a lot of people but obviously with that comes risk yeah. with that risk the risk to reward yeah. obviously the rewards are you're knocking these guys out but the risk is that you're also getting put down as well yeah would it. you say that like that your style that's the where your style went i think it was yeah because when i was going forward all the time the well, my defence wasn't bad, but I'll, I'll be truthful, it, it wasn't brilliant because I used to walk onto a lot of shots. But there's times when uh, I walked onto them, but it made me more like hungry to win. Yeah. 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 So I kind of, I'm going to take two of yours just to land my yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then that's where this fan crowd pleasing style then would have come yeah. from. Yeah. Because the crowds, the crowd who used to watch me, they used to love the way. You know, I got stuck in and, and like you said then, got caught with shots, but still come back. Yeah. Yeah. That Even if they put me down, I'd get up and be straight on them. Yeah. Got value for money and that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Did you, did you enjoy fight. that? Did you enjoy the way yeah, that, yeah? It's weird because I enjoyed the bit where we was at it. We was both like, you know, hammer and tong at each other. And sometimes if I went down, it, the crash all. When I, when I come back, the crab was like, yeah, like, yeah, it felt good. Yeah, it was a good, good buzz. Yeah, and then obviously that, yeah. after when you get out of the ring on the night out and then yeah. everyone's like coming around, saying hello and everything, yeah. obviously enjoying, enjoying. You went, this is your European title fight against Antonio Picardi. Yeah. And that was at York Hall again. That's right, yeah. I got offered the big chance to... To fight um, Antonio Bacardi, and because uh, I got called up to the Wardour Street in London, Mickey Duff's office. That's where like Terry Lawless used to be in the same office as Mickey. Terry Lawless had um, had these boys, and uh, obviously Mickey had these boys. Yeah, it was in the same office. They used to work together, and um, they uh, they called me up the office and they said they're like, well, Mickey did, and said, Johnny, I've got your shot for the European title. And we sit down and watch watch a video of him, and uh, he said like uh, sign the contract, told me how much I'm getting, and uh, if you, yeah. if you don't mind me asking, how much was you getting? I'm out uh, just just out of curiosity. Yeah. And it's my biggest payday ever, and I got twenty five thousand quid. Twenty five thousand for your payday at the time. At the time, um, yeah, yeah twenty five thousand. Yeah, which nineteen ninety five. If you was to put that in today's money, that's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult yeah, it to yeah. say because obviously inflation has gone up, though, isn't it? So yeah, I mean, it would have been a little bit more now. Yeah, that, yeah. that's would you have said because I personally 
don't think there, and the reason this is why I'm asking, this is why I was asking, because I personally don't think there's that much money unless you're a top guy in boxing. When we've we've spoken to a number of people, and probably you're the most successful person we've had on, mm-hmm. um, but we've spoken to a number of people talk about obviously they working and then going, like, and you've spoken exactly the same. Yeah. Um, would you have said that was a lot of money for the time that it was, or would you? I would say. At the time, it felt like a, a fair bit of money, yeah. But, but the thing was with me, you got £25,000 I had to pay 25% to Mickey Duff. Yeah. I had to pay 10% to my trainer. Then I had to pay my cuts, man. Then I had to pay where I, where I was living at the time, which I was living in North London in Islington. And I was staying there for like six, six, seven, eight weeks for the fights. So then, and then after winning the fight, so out of 25000 I would say... I probably took home about seventeen thousand, sixteen and a half thousand. Right. Yeah. Which isn't obviously everyone wants a slice at the yeah. time. Yeah. Don't they? And then you probably have to pay stuff back that you might have put on hold as well and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So everyone sees it though. Everyone sees like, oh, he's fighting for such and such a belt. He's he's making mega money. Yeah. yeah. When you see the bit, yeah. Yeah. When when you're putting in the hard graft, it ain't. You think if you're paying X, Y, and Z out. Yeah. In the Can long you, long run. You working at this time or you're full time? No, it's full time. You're full time now. Yeah, I think we we yeah, I think I remember you saying we're full time you're full time for this one. And when when I used to sorry. No, no. What it was as well, when I used to get get these paydays, like I got twenty five then, took home about say sixteen, seventeen grand. Then I think everyone thinks you're bundled, but I used to get cut, so I weren't fighting again for another four or five months sometimes. Sometimes, you know, it could have been longer, but um so that money had to last you to your next fight. Yeah. So all the travelling up and down London every day, you know, and like living as well, because obviously I had my fight and I was, after having a, a tough fight like that, winning the title, you want to go and spend up, I used to up Roman Road, you know, West End, and just buy a bit of clover with my yeah. kids, me. Yeah, so, yeah. They don't <laughs> last long and then obviously it had to last you to your next fight and then, when you worked it out, it was like a normal man's wage. Yeah, you still, you're not, you don't need to, you are ticket selling, but you don't need to see a quick sale at this point, do you? No. You'll now be getting to the purses side of it, yeah, aren't you? That's yeah, that's right, yeah. So on that then, you thought Matthew Harris, this more looks like a tick over fight, I'd have said, than Matthew Harris. He was seven and one, though. Yeah, he, he was another kid. He, he was like tough. He, he came to fight as well. And, you know, as soon as the bell went, he, he was up for it. But uh, it's another one. I think I knocked him out. Yeah, I got it down to TKO, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's... there's... And the fifth. But <laughs> he, he was catching me in one and two rounds. He was catching me some nice shots. And then, you know, you could hear the crowd or oh, like, where I walked onto a few like I do, did, did, used to do. And all of a sudden, I thought, right, I upped my game and then put it on him then. And, you know... Then took him out. Yeah, yeah, took him out. And then... Did, did um? When you fought for like Commonwealth and then you stepped up to European, did you find a change in the competition, or was it the level? Even though your record speaks for itself, you was knocking guys out from lower level to higher level. Did you find a difference in the competition? Yeah, I, I'd say so because I think uh, like the Italians, Antonio Bacardi, like European level, you know, they're fighting all around the world, sort of thing. The, the tough fight to be in that level of European, 
yeah, I think you started realising it was another class yeah. up here. Well, which is good. That's good. Mm. And then you had um, Rida Abbas at York Hall again for the. Uh, it was a defence of your European title. That's right. I think he was. Was he French or? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he was, and he, he was another. Yeah, he was, he was another strong one. Come out, and he looked very big for a bantamweight. Because I looked over and I thought, oh, he, he looks more like a sort of like a lightweight, or you know, about three or four weights bigger than me. Um, yeah, he, he was tough, and I got got into him. I think I knocked him out as well. Yeah, yeah, got knocked him out. Yeah. You don't take it to decision, do you, normally, it's anyway? It's midway blood. That's yeah. what does it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, again, was you paid similar or less on this one or no, more? Uh, 30000 for that one. Right, so we, yeah. you're, you're going gradually yeah. beginning to, and then everyone takes their slice, Yeah. but you're gradually getting through. Um, but it looks like what I'm looking at is it looks like you're having your title fights then ticking over. Then having your title fights, then ticking over. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you went on to again, like I was saying, you say it proves my point. You had a tick over fight, but this is um, almost a year later. So you had the, the Ruby Abbott fight, then you fighted Lyndon Kershaw a year later. Yeah, because what it was, uh, I had a bit of an upset. Uh, I got I got put into prison. I got a nine month sentence for fighting in, in a few pubs. And because uh, I used to go out and used to go into pubs and there's always people that sort of wanted to have a spa with you or like where I was quite small because I was only a bantam weight. used to get the few lads that, I'll give you a spa, mate. And you just go, oh, look, it'll end up sort of going the other way, mate. I'd rather leave it. But in the end, when you're with all your mates and all that, you feel, you feel like you're backing down to, mm. to people. So I used to try and sort of, uh, where I was small, thinking I've got to prove a point every time. So... I ended up sort of knocking a few blokes out in pubs and then ended up, uh, it went the other way on me. There was times when I was going out where my me, me mates was actually fighting and I've jumped in to help them out where there's getting a bit out of hand and I've ended up getting sort of. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
nicked for for their fights as well. Just right? being the associate because, there because yeah. it wasn't it wasn't their fault. It's just where I had a name. They you know it was they sort of wanted me really. Mm. Yeah, trying to I'll, make an example kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you mean. Yeah, I like to say I questioned you before we we started. I'll, I'll say it again as well. Did you feel like because of your name? that people thought, oh, I'll take a crack at Johnny. It makes me like look like the big man in Medway or wherever that's, you are at the time. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because a few times, like, people, even my mates have said, yeah, he thought he could do you, John. That's why he wanted to get a name from yourself, like, by sort of beating you or whatever. And there's times when you got in a pub and you, you had a couple of beers, and where I weren't used to drinking, it used to hit me quick time. So, yeah. And then all of a sudden, everyone sort of like, trying to do a bit of punching with you and sort of hyping you up a bit. And then, you know, there's times I, I, I went in pubs and Giza wanted to sign an autograph and I went, yeah, of course I will. And I went to sign it. He said, no, I want one on the, on the R sort of thing. And uh, I went, well, I said, I was doing your signature, mate. And then uh, he said something else to me and then he wanted to have a, a fight with us. Uh, I ended up having a fight with him and then getting nicked for that. Uh, how did um, when obviously with the boxing side of it then as you you said did you, you weren't able to train in them nine months really you was no because uh, I was stripped of both my titles uh, the European and the Commonwealth and I just the worst thing ever was I signed a contract with Mickey Duff went up to his house in Marble Arch with my dad signed the contract for a 60 grand payday to fight Johnny Bradle in uh, Denmark Right. And um, which Johnny Bredo was a very top level fighter. And um so I signed the contract and I had I had a, f- um, a few weeks before I started the, the, the training uh, camp. So I just went out and like I say that's when it happened. Went out and just enjoyed myself for the first week or two and then you know, the next minute I ended up getting in trouble with a few fights and just before um I had to go away for the camp then uh, obviously I've, I've been took it down to prison and they they wouldn't give me bail, so they kept me in there. So no, I lost no. my titles and I lost the big payday. You look back and you think, oh, how muggy was that? Yeah. But, you know, you're young, you don't realise, and, you know, oh, I regret it now. Yeah. Uh, like, like I said, these obviously these are things you've, you've served as well. You've served yeah. your time, you've done your bits. How was um, the Lyndon Kershaw fight then getting back into it? How did you feel getting back into it? Oh, when I come out, you know, obviously I haven't been in the ring for a long time. So um, I was a little bit rusty, but obviously uh, I was training hard in London gym, in the, the Peacock gym and also in Cannington and also uh, in Oxton Square. And um, so I had some good sparring up there. So that helped out a bit, but... Lyndon Kershaw, he was another one. He, he was, he was game. He, you know, as soon as the bell come, come, uh, bell went, he was ready, ready to come out to sort of fight, sort of thing. He mm. wasn't a sort of a, you know, a journeyman or want to walk around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So it was a, another sort of toughish fight. But I think I, I, did I stop him on. Yeah, he TK, yeah. yeah, he got a cut above his left eyes. Yeah. Um. Sadly, again, did you find the there was ring rust and stuff or? Yeah, it was a little bit, but it was so nice to win and make me, because obviously when I went went to prison, you've lost everything, so it was like starting again. Yeah. And you think, I was rated number 
number two or three in number two in the IBF, number four or five in the WBC. So I was rated right up there. Highly, yeah. Obviously, when I went to prison, it all goes. It all goes. So I had to start again. And then you had Patricia Janos Parasic. Parasic? Paris. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah Parasic. It's. Um, egg. So question this, because normally like knocking people out, this one come to a unanimous decision, but quite a wide unanimous decision. With people that, because this looks like just another tick over fight, just to get you back and by the looks of it, yeah. just to get you back into the swing of things and stuff like that. Would you have said that sometimes the guys that maybe don't have the greatest of records, you weren't getting up for? And then when they had the good records, that's when you were at your best. Yeah, I used to, f- sometimes you used to think to yourself, you know, when, when, when you look at the record and there's a few losses there, you think, oh, this ain't going to be such a tough fight. But sometimes I made it tough for myself sometimes because there's times where I could have, like, boxed and been clever, but I just went for the war sometimes. And, yeah, I think I love the excitement of the crowds. So, yeah. yeah. And then um, you come on to Kovicko, uh, again, another TKO. Um, I think it's just another just to get you back into the swing of things by the looks yeah, of it yeah it was trying to get me warm me up and get me up for a total fight. yeah which yeah. is obviously coming in a, yeah. in a minute and then you had Irving Blake again which was a points decision close points decision it was 98 to 97 and a half yeah I think I won it more than what what they've said because I've, I've caught them a couple of times and you know you wobbled him um he was very another one, very tough, uh, very tall as well, dangly. But another time, I, you know, I just went. I was always going forward, so you know, I was, I was walking on a few shots at the same time. But I think I just need that more experience. Well, like not fought for a while, and it was building me up. So that's put harder blokes in to fight. Yeah, so just getting you back into it. Back yeah, into making it, yeah. sure. So then um, you come to. Your big one, the big your title fight, the WBU World Super Bantamweight title fight against Carlos Navarro. Yeah, yeah, the toughest uh, fight that I've had in my whole career. That one. He was seventeen and zero, and I think you was roughly a similar um, record at the time, weren't you? Yeah, I think I had nineteen fights. Yeah, nineteen wins. He um, obviously both undefeated for a world title fight, Elephant and Castle. How was it? Oh, I. Because I turned, um, I changed managers and I went with the Island Brothers. Right, okay. So, which was, uh, and obviously a new trainer as well. What, what happened to Mickey Duff? Uh, well, it was Mickey Duff didn't have hardly any fighters then and he wasn't getting the TV dates and stuff. So I got offered more money to go with the Island Brothers. Okay. So uh, I took the chance and uh, I went with them. But I had to go all the way to Liverpool. Because not being funny... Uh, they always want to keep me, keep me away from everyone because, you know, when I had my little break, I used to enjoy it sometimes too much. Yeah. yeah. So they want me to keep away from all my mates and so I had to live down in Liverpool to get ready for, for the fights. But I stayed with uh, Colin Morcos, mum and dad, uh, for weeks before the fight. So obviously I'm in a different place, Liverpool. Didn't know no one down there. Uh, Would you have said that affected you? Uh, obviously I was away from my family kids so it was a long way to sort you couldn't go 
on a train just to drive up there and come back. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was really, and, you know, I got to know a lot of the boys in Liverpool, you know, like the gyms. I trained in Bootle. Uh, I trained in uh, the, the pub in Bootle, which is great. Sid, he was a, he, was, he owned the pub in there, and he, he was a good trainer. And uh, he had some good boys I could spar. And like I said, when you go to another another sort of like a place like that, you know, you, you, when you're sparring, it's not like like sparring. Everyone wants to sort of yeah take on a new kick on. Yeah, so it's all tough spar. So it made you tougher as well. But living down there, actually, we have a lovely family, Colin's mum and dad, and uh, they looked after me well. How did um, you find? Obviously, it's your first loss. How did you find? Obviously, taking oh, that. That was terrible. Like, you know, it was an hard fight to take because. I know I knocked quite a few of fighters out, but this this kid Carlos Navarro was was in with Dalla Oya. He used to train with uh, uh, all the top, top yeah. boys, and he won golden gloves. And uh, when you look at some of the stories that you hear, uh, you know they wanted to be like Carlos Navarro because he was a big knockout. Right, he used to knock them all out. Very very tough fighter. Yeah, and then obviously, but that was your. You hit the world level now. Yeah, it was on ITV, and uh, you know it, it was a big fight to take. But you wouldn't wouldn't believe it. Uh, Fifteen thousand quid I got offered for this fight. Oh really? So yeah. we've gone from you losing, unfortunately losing your payday for your sixty thousand for um, a, a European. Yeah, Johnny. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Would that have been a world title fight? Or was that? A European no, title. That was your European defense. Right, so you've gone from that to then 15,000 for Carlos Navarro. Yeah, that's why I believe, like, when you're in the boxing game and you get yourself in trouble, like I did, the uh, the actual the border control and uh, not many people, like, uh, not saying want to see you do well, but they want to sort of like teach you a lesson sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, which is fair enough, and, you know, um, I should have just like um like I say, kept away from certain people. Just you know, you know, I'm not blaming anyone, but I'm saying there's a couple of people who sort of like a bit jealous of you where you was doing well, and they sort of guided you the wrong way because they wanted to see you lose, yeah, or see you get nicked. Yeah. At the end of the day, I know that now because I look back and I think I know why you've done that. They want to drag you because they see you, they don't want you to fly off without yeah. them. And because they're... I was getting a big name and. They was like big feathers and also I was taking their limelight. Yeah, that's yeah. it, yeah. We've um if I could touch on it, we've um taken your break and then coming back out. was you was you did you did they let you keep your licence or lucky enough, uh, they didn't well I wouldn't say they didn't, but I had to go to the uh, London Bridge, the border control, and I had to sit in a court to see if I could get my uh, licence back, which I was crossing my fingers, my toes. Yeah. I was like sitting there thinking, oh, please, God. Lucky enough. It's um, like saying, Kate, the apprentice, in it? They're yeah. all there in front of you. It was. I don't know. Like, oh, I'm the only one that don't know. Yeah, it's so, yeah, so scary. Yeah. I'm the only one that yeah. don't know. Yeah. And honestly, like, I was like praying to God that they was going to give me my licence. And lucky enough, they did. Um, you got your second chance. Yeah, that's it. To actually mm. come back. Like I say, when, when I went away, I thought, oh, I've got so much work to do to get back up there, you know, it was, and I was lucky enough to get my license, yeah. 
<laughs> then you had um, like a six month break by the looks of it was that just to get yourself back on sort of after the Carlos Navarro fight you had a six month break yeah um, you fought Mohamed Ozid um, was that your just to just get back in the gym just yeah, get back just yeah, yeah the drawing board just to would you have taken the six months was you in the gym or did you just take that time off I was in the gym but I, I had a few months off and um because I was still with the uh, the Scousers, the Island Brothers, mm. and I've been trained by Colin, which is he was one of the best trainers I've had. Colin Moorcroft, brilliant trainer, and uh, he got me he got me ready again. And because um, after we took the Carlos Navarro uh, fight, so we took the Carlos Navarro fight, which is a big big fight to take because it was on ITV, and I thought solid. He was a weight above me anyway. He was he was a super bantam weight, so I had to move up. Super Bantam to fight him, but he was more like a, a light welterweight. When you, you know, he was a lot of weight. After he filled out. Yeah. After yeah. Looked at him after weighing, and he looked like four or five different weights above me. He's like, and he's a big puncher anyway, but classy fighter. But, um, you know, God bless his soul, he, he's, he, he got killed. He got shot. Oh, he was right, in right. Um, some gangs in London. Oh, sorry. In, America, in New York. Right. And uh, he ain't with us no more. Oh, okay. Oh, um, and then the Mohammed um, Ozid fight was in the National Stadium in Dublin. That's right, yes. yeah. How yeah, how was that? Oh, that was, that was nice over there. Yeah. Yeah, I love Dublin. What's the crowd like compared to over here? Oh, the, the, oh, the crowd was great because where I was a come forward fighter as well, they sort of love, love battles. And, and obviously, I boxed over there a few times before in Ireland against um, uh, uh, John, John McLean I boxed but that was in the ABAs but uh, Joe Lawler he was another great fighter as a, when I boxed for England and also Wayne McCullum another bloke I boxed yeah, 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 he, he was in the Olympics and he was another great fighter so I boxed some good boys in Ireland was that your biggest it was like stadium you've been to at the time or uh, would you have said no I'd say at the Albert Hall was the, Albert the Hall, best yeah. place I've ever boxed. Uh, and then so you again, um, from there, you took a year off, if you can remember. Again, and you fought Alexander Tiranov. That's right, yeah. For the, I think that was for the WBC International, was it? I haven't. It's, yeah. yeah, I think that was from, from WBC. How comes you took a year off again? Was it just maybe injuries or... I know I because I had a big cut on my eye. Mm. I used to cut near enough every every fight sort of thing. And uh, like Mickey Mickey Williams was my cuts man. He was the top cuts man. Um, and I must have had at least over. He read a book, I think it was, or and in boxing news, and sort of said like, you know, why I was so good at um, doing the cuts was through Johnny Armour. Oh right. I used to get cut so much every fight. Did you not, um, if you sound about getting cut, did you not get rid of any of the scar tissue? I don't know what the, because nowadays you can, you'll get, yeah. you'll see fighters get cut a lot. Yeah. Um, they go have surgery, get rid of the scar tissue and then go again. And the cut, they're still cut, obviously, but they're not as bad. That's right, yeah. Did you, did you have any of them options no, or? We didn't, as it goes. So a lot of my cuts used to come back open again. Right. Yeah. It's the top of my eyes. You know, you should get cut. I must be like I said, 
I had at least over 100 stitches. Cool. And then the scar tissue, have you had anything done to this day? Because no. you're looking great today, like, yeah. do you know what I mean? underneath. <laughs> <laughs> you're looking great today. Um, and then, so that Tyranoff fight looks like, um, I think you're back to warm up again. And then you had basically your, the uh, WBU bantamweight title fight against Francis Mpofo. Yeah, very tough fight. He was a, uh... Because I've known him from um, from England squad, because he used to be in the England squad and used to meet him around, like he used to be fighting at your call. Another tough fighter, you, you just knew if you're fighting Francis, he was going to be a tough fighter. Yeah. You know, he was very powerful, strong, and he just come forward all the time. But, but I had to learn to box, because uh, Colin Moorcross said to me, there's no way we can carry on fighting the way you're going, going forward all the time with this kid. He said, you're going to get cut to bits. You're going to lose the fight. He said, we've got to learn to box him. So I started sparring people, but on my back foot, which I've never done before. And uh, it was like, uh, not me. And I, but I got used to sort of using my style and it, it felt nice because you could do both. Different, yeah. If you want to go, for, go to war. Stick it on someone. Yeah. If you don't, then you can then come back. And... Back foot. But he said, stay on your back foot all the time. He said, just keep jabbing, jabbing, moving, one, two, get away. And uh, it worked in the end because, you know, we got, I think, the best fight of the year because that was the first one. Yeah. How, how was the build-up to that? Oh, it was, it was good. And like I say, I, I was in Liverpool training again. Yeah. Um, and like tough, because obviously it's another 12 round fight. So you have to be in top shape. I was training with Shane Neary in Liverpool, which is another great fighter. Because yeah. now you win the fight. You're now Johnny Armour world champion. Yeah. At this point, your first, your like, so all the work that you, put into it now you're yeah. Johnny Armour world champion here yeah like I say that's all you want to be in it as a boxer any uh, any fighter just any dream is to be a world champion like when you scope last uh, wishing wishing uh, wells or whatever you just chuck, chuck a coin in and go please God be a world champion yeah. yeah how did you feel after that then because you're that's it you're yeah. you're Yes, top get, of the top. Yeah. And that's all we ever want to do, win a world title. And then not say that you've you've done, you've achieved it and then that's it, you can retire. Because you can't because the money I got, like I say, was only like fifteen I think I got I think I got twelve and a half thousand for the Francis Apple. Um twelve and a half or fifteen thousand, I think it was. Only for that for that fight. For that world title fight. The um WBU obviously it's not um, in existence today no, but right. it's the same one that Ricky Hatton won the world title fight for that's people it. that are out there that don't know yeah. because people may look at it and be like oh like something may knock it down when it shouldn't be knocked down because yeah. Ricky Hatton exactly. made it was the reason yeah. and obviously him being a household name I think is a really good example yeah. what John Jr. have on as well I think so yeah I think we're I think that one as well. and then you mentioned that that's, that's good to mention that because People sometimes don't recognise the WWE, yes. but now you say that, people understand that it was a world it was title. a world title at the time. It yeah. Obviously, if it's not now, if it's not in existence, but you are still a world champion. Ricky yeah. Hatton still 
was exactly the same. Do yes. you know what I mean? No one said, oh, he's not. As against Tyson. Yeah, it was, yeah. And yeah. obviously, that again, that's a really good example. So you've got Ricky Atten versus Costa Zoo, which everyone goes, that's top fight. Yeah. All the time. So I just wanted to bring that in because I know, I, I, I wonders actually, I was going to ask you if people thought that, if people will go, oh, it's only a WBU, but it's yeah. not. Because people look at, the WBC, the IBA, yeah. WBA, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 as well. The yeah. the new one at the moment is the one that Chris Eubank won, wasn't it? The IBO, yeah, that's, that's right. the, that seems yeah. to be sort of un, like that. Yeah, but it's not people that hold hold like the WBC yeah. and the yeah. IBF. They look, they say they look down upon the IBO. Yeah, but, yeah. but if I remember rightly, the WBU was exactly the same level as your WBC, WBO, yeah. IBF, if yeah. I remember rightly. When back, obviously back to like the 2000s and the 90s where things were slightly a bit different as well. Yeah. But actually winning the world child, it was like a dream come true. Like, you know, you like my trainer said to me, it's all we want to get is, is the new world champion. Mm. Yeah. And as soon as they said that, I thought, oh, this is, this is it. I've got it. Did people treat you differently? Um, yeah, I'd say, yeah, because everywhere I went, people was like, oh, that's a champion, or, you know, he's world champion. Everywhere you went, you was noticed. Yeah. Yeah, on holiday, you know, even when you went abroad, it was, I used to be in London, like, loads of times, and people used to come over, can I have your autograph, please, and, yeah. How did you find that? How did it was newfound, let's say, fame as such? How did you find it? Yeah, it felt good because you felt like you're a chief saying, and uh, yeah, people respect it. It validated all your hard work. Yeah. Yeah. Especially after, like I said before, like losing what I lost. So on that, then you had your first Ampho fight, and then you fought uh, Ian Turner. By looks of it, were just a tick over. Ten round, I think it was, yeah. Um, and by looks of it, just a nice tick over fight, wide. Yeah, I think. Well, I've been out in the ring for a while. I just needed, needed. Yeah, this was a year. Yeah, you, yeah, that you actually you pointed out actually. Yeah, you had a year out. What happened? Um, you know what? I can't really remember. I think, I think they had trouble. Uh, get me fights um, or there was something going wrong with the, uh, the TV dates with uh, with my managers right okay yeah. so they had TV issues as well then as well yeah. right um, and then with that you fought then Francis Amphu again for the WBU world title Yes, I think if I can stop you there. Go on. What it was, I think um, when I fought Ian Turner, I think that's when I turned over with Barry Hearns then. Oh, you was with Barry Hearn now? Okay, okay. Did you meet little Eddie Hearn at the time as well? Yeah, I did meet him. He was at the boxing shows. So you're with Barry Hearn now. So if you so you've gone from the Island Brothers now to Barry Hearn yeah um, and then thought Ian Turner under Barry Hearn then yeah that's right yes okay and now was it Smatrum then uh, Matchroom yeah, right. yeah so early, it's always, early days Matchroom yeah oh, yeah man, it was um, so if that's then you fought um, Francis Amphu again how did that come about then because uh, obviously um, when I fought Ian Turner 
then we got a chance to uh, get a shot of the world title because Barry said to me, uh, we need a you know warm up fight, and you're in the ratings, so we just uh, we get a shot for the defense of the um, not defense, sorry, it was um, vacant. I think it, yeah, I'm sure it was vacant the uh, world title. I've got you defending this. The first the first Francis Ampfu fight was vacant, and then the second one you're defending it against Ampfu. Yeah. Yeah, I remember now. I, when I turned over with Barry Owens, that's when I fought Ampufu. Oh, right. So so we're going back then. So you fought Ampufu with um, Barry Hearn and he got you that world title fight. Yep. Yeah. Right. And then the Ian Turner was a tick over fight from because you was inactive for a year. And then after that, the Ampufu fight, second fight would have come come yeah, about. That's right. Because that that fight is a majority draw, which every it says every see it was one fourteen, one fourteen, one fourteen, one fourteen, and then one sixteen, one twelve. And every um That was the internal one. The second one. No, this is the Ampufu Ampufu. fight. Yeah, the Ampufu World Defence, your world title defence. Gotcha, yeah, because uh, there's a bit of controversy about the verdict because they thought the second one they thought he'd done enough to win right which I'd never say uh, it could have went either way but I think being a champion you've always got to beat the champion yeah yeah uh, yeah. that much that little much better because you know um, in the day uh, there's a few in the commentators said well I thought it went the other way with Fra- I thought Francis got the fight so you know um how did you feel then? How did you feel? I thought it was close. I thought, you know, it could have went either way. But um, as you say, uh, I got the verdict and, uh, you know, and they, they asked for another fight and I, I was going to fight. Yeah, that's right. and that's what I was going to say. It's, um, I will say this. It's strange because obviously they say um, you got the win because you had a 116, 112 and 1 card, which is unheard of nowadays because of the way that the scoring is done that would have been classed as a majority draw. Yeah. So, but normally when that happens, fighters run, don't they? Yeah. But you then obviously give him a, another fight. Yeah. Your third and a, a title defence, um, which then was at the Brentwood Centre. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I've, I've beaten twice already and they wanted another one. But the only reason I wanted the other fight as well to like, to shut shut them up a little bit and make sure that if I was going to fight him, I'll beat him properly this time. Yeah, yeah. just to solidify just, that. Yeah, yeah. Right, I've done what I can do. Yeah, so they they sort of get their words a little bit in, yeah. in the third one because. So you're not only now world champion, you're now defending world champion. Yeah. Um, with that, we come on to Nathan Sting. Yeah, with Nathan Sting, um, I really thought if I was in in my in my time and my prime, I wouldn't have had trouble, but I was I was struggling to make the weight. And you know what it was, I got I said I, they said I weren't fighting till the end of the year. Then all of a sudden, I got a phone call. I was odd carrying at the time, and uh, trying to earn a couple of quid uh, working as well. So I put on a lot of weight. I bulked out a little bit. Then I got a phone call from from Adam and. Um, they said, "Look, you, you've got um, you've got to fight um, Nathan Sting, uh, defend your title." And uh, I said, "Well, I've only got like five weeks to do this." 
And then, you know, and they said, look, otherwise you could get stripped of your title. So um, I ended up taking taking the fight. The Nathan Sting fight was obviously saying that you were struggling about stripping down the weight. I remember. Yeah, it was because we're, we're bulked out. I was odd carrying, uh, working as well. And then I got the call and I had four and a half, I think it was four and a half weeks to get ready for the fight. And uh, it was just too much. It was... I was over. I think I was a stone and nine pound overweight, and um, and it's crazy. I went up to the Peacock Gym, and I I just stayed, I stayed upstairs, lived there. But um, I just struggled all the time to get the weight down. It was when I was getting older. I was 30, 35, I think I was. Right. And I was struggling to make that weight, which yeah. is obviously difficult because obviously your body's changing yeah. and everything like that. So then, how did you feel on the scales? Did you feel weak oh, I or felt very weak, and just felt like a, you know, when you look at yourself, when you think, yeah, I'm not, I feel really fit, strong, and I didn't, and uh, I had very, a lot of doubts, which I never ever had doubts in my head when I boxed. I always wanted to, like, get in there and win. Yeah, I had doubts this time. Did you find that affected you when you fought him? Yeah, definitely. Just just making the weight and coming down to the weight because I struggled so much. I was in saunas, like uh, the day of the day of the weighing. I was in saunas. I was rubbing me down with towels, you know, and it it was like uh, the the food I was eating as well was was unreal. Like you know, you get to sort of starve yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. doing the it was like coming hard. So you lost lost that fight, and then you had a two year hiatus, two year hiatus, and then you saying that you were uh, signed for. I signed with uh, Frank Maloney, who is uh, Kelly Maloney's uh, brother. Okay, and then you fought Chunche Kaya. That's right. I fought him. Uh, I think it was a. Uh, uh, Brentwood, I think it was. It was Dagenham. We got it as oh, Dagenham. Dagenham. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. yeah. Um, you lost that fight on points. Yeah, I, I put the kid down in, in one of the rounds. Uh, it was another close fight. Uh, to be fair, I thought I might have edged it, got the fight because I had him down in one round. And uh, did you feel the two years really were? Yeah, and he was uh, he was quite lively, you know. Like uh, he, he fought a little while ago, not just before he boxed me so he, he was sort of up for it yeah and would would you have said age caught up to you as well then at this yeah. point if you were 35 and then had a two year hiatus obviously your body's changing and definitely and it, it was just struggling to make the weight again you know and then you your last fight obviously your last hurrah your call Delroy Spencer yeah that's right yeah I remember fighting uh, your call I didn't I Change trainers I was with Alan Smith, who was a very, very good trainer, top trainer nowadays. And, um, you know, he got me in brilliant shape. And, uh, especially for the age, I was, I think I was 37 then. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I thought even then to get me in that, that shape at that age and to make the weight, which I made the weight quite easy that time, you know, because we trained double hard and, um, yeah, I won the fight, but you know when you're in that fight and you think yourself, no disrespect to D.Y. Spencer because he's a good fighter and he's been about a long time, but I think I was always a, a way above that sort of yeah. level. And I thought, you know, that's what I knew for myself. You know, I think this is time to pack up now. Right. I won the fight, 
and I won it convincingly, but just thought, you know, that my time's up now. Then, sure. well, obviously, before we close up, it left you with 31 wins, 17 mm. knockouts of that, which is impressive, uh, three losses, um, a Commonwealth, a European title, a world title. Yeah. So the accolades of Johnny Armour yeah. are massive. Yeah, thank you. So, um, Block said, obviously, thank you for joining us. Um, again, what I, I'd like to get you back on to pick your brain about the afterlife of boxing. Yeah, sure. Um, and let you know about my new gym. And, yeah, yeah, obviously, your yeah. armor-plated gym and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll, you'll come back on and we can talk about the after the aftermath of yeah. what you're doing and everything like that. Yeah. And how you retire, yeah. yeah. So, um, thank you for joining us again. Um, everyone listening, uh, go on our socials, uh, patrons, £3 a month. Um, but yeah, cheers. Come join us. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.